0: little bit about the treasure hunting evangelism that goes on every tuesday um yeah every tuesday afternoon and today we have our sister jessica she's going to come up and just share a little bit about our experience today let's give her a warm welcome yeah
1: hey guys Yeah, so actually, this is my first time ever um, coming out to the treasure hunting, and actually, my first time ever really like ev- evangelizing. But yeah, I always thought you had to like go to these people and like shove the gospel down their throat, and they had to like accept it. But like, I think God really just changed the way I thought about it, and um, really changed like how to approach people about like sharing God's love. And um, basically, what we did is um, we we meet every Tuesday at um, 10 o'clock in the morning, and we just pray together, and we just ask God, like, God, like, show, show us um, who you want us to encounter today, and he can give you, um, like, images of, like, um, names or, like, words or colors or uh, just anything, even, like, places and... So we just wrote down what we felt like God was like really leading us to, and um, we all got like different things. For me personally, I got um, hair, which is like really random, and um, I just saw like this image of like a white T-shirt, and it was really specific. It was like a white T-shirt with like four letters, like bold, like black colored letters, and the word um, I mean the letter W. So I'm like, okay, these are, like, really random things. So we just prayed, like, Holy Spirit, just lead us. Where do you want us to go? And it was a lot, like, on, like, depending on God. Because, yeah, I just really felt, like, in order for God to work, you have to depend on them, like, 100%. You have to let go of all your, like, um, like your pride. It has to be dropped, and, like, your fear has to be dropped. And, yeah, just, like, depending on God 100%. And so, um, since I got like the word hair, we thought maybe we had to go to like a hair salon. So we went to a couple, but we felt like, um, God was just leading us somewhere else. So we just prayed and we're like, God, where do you want us to go? And, um, I felt like he wanted us to go like in front of the library and in front of the library, they're like doing construction. So we're like, okay, maybe we're not supposed to go inside. (laughs) So there's actually this truck, um, They were giving out, like, free x-rays for, like, I don't know, some kind of examination. And what do you know? There's, like, the letter W right on the truck. I'm like, okay, this is the place that God wants us to be. So we just stood there. And, um, you know, for, like, for me, I thought, okay, the person's going to come out, like, right now. Like, so I was, like, expecting this, like, person with this white t-shirt and, like, crazy hair or something. But um, God really told me, like, just wait for me to work. So we just stood there, like, just looking at people, people for, like, 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And um, we actually um, saw this girl with a T-shirt. Oh, before that, we just prayed. um, So, like, God, like, who do you want to, like, what are you trying to do right now? And um, God really placed on my heart, like, he's going to place, like, he's going to mark this person with love. So I was like, okay, maybe, like, she's going to have a heart on her shirt or, like, love on her shirt. And this girl walks by. She has, like, this white T-shirt with the uh, word pink and, like, pink heart. And so I'm like, oh. So we, like, went up to her and, um, yeah. Yeah, that that was the four letters, you know, with the T-shirt. So I'm like, wow. You would think there would be a lot of girls, I mean, like, people with, like, white t-shirt and where's but there was like no one on it so i was like what's happening but we finally found her and um she actually spoke really well in, like english because she was like living in america for a while and her name was sarah and um yeah she was surprisingly very open for us to pray for her so we just blessed her and she said she had a test on saturday so we just asked god to help her on this test and yeah, it was just really simple. We just blessed her with God's love, and she seemed to really, like, accept it. And I really feel like God really, like, planted a seed of love in her. Yeah, so it was really good. And um, what else, what else did we do? There's just so many things that we did. It was just amazing. Um, so we just went around campus and really prayed over, like, different areas. Like, um, there's a lot of statues on campus, so we're just going around, praying over the statue. Praying over a basketball court, and yeah, just anywhere God wants us to pray for. So, yeah, it was a really good experience. Oh, okay. So there's, um, I think you guys all seen it. It's like right in the center of the Underwood guy, like opening his hands, and on the plat uh, platform, it says like "Messenger of God, follower of Christ, friend of Korea," and that's like all of us here. You know, we're all messengers of God, we're all followers of Christ, and We're, like, we're in Korea, so we're a friend of Korea, you know? So we just really prayed for the promises of um, uh, the missionary Underwood and that we're going to hold on to those promises and we're going to be the ones really, like, interceding on behalf of Myeongsae. So we just got to pray over that area that God, um, his presence will be there and when people pass by, they'll, like, stop and just really encounter God there. Yeah, so it was a really good experience, Um, and I just realized, like, this isn't just, like, on Tuesday in the morning. Like, I could just do this anywhere I go, just, like, in the morning, like, God, um, during my QT's, like, who do you want me to encounter? And just, like, write down, and throughout my day, you know, if those clues match up, then, you know, just share God's love. So, yeah, it was a really good time.
0: Yeah, I really want to encourage you guys. I think the whole point of Tuesday is just to show you how easy it is, how fun it is, how amazing it is just to be a vessel for God and just um, be a shining light. And it really isn't about like, you know, putting a track in people's face or, you know, telling them that you know, they're going to hell, but it's about telling them that God is good and that he loves them. And so, yeah, for sure, um, Andy and Rona have been doing a great job leading these groups. And I know that they want to see more of you guys come out, more of you guys joining them. And so if you guys are free Tuesday mornings, feel free to join them. If you're not just talk to those that have been coming out. And so you can do it when you have time because it's really that simple. It doesn't have to be a Tuesday morning thing. And so it's really good. Um, yes, but thank you, Jessica. That was really good. Um, So tonight we have an amazing guest speaker. I think we all heard him speak already, but I know he's going to bring it tonight. So let's just give a warm welcome to Dr. Wachter.
2: All right. Hello, everyone. All right. I thought Pastor Aaron was going to take my entire message during the prayer time. She was just going to take the mic and start preaching. I wasn't even going to need to preach tonight. But that did not happen. So, so this semester, uh, we've, we've done a lot this semester. I feel like we've done more this semester than we've done in other semesters. And we started out, you know, almost three, three and a half months ago um, with our journey down the Emmaus Road. And then we figured out, you know, all the things that God has like, in store for us through the promise that he gives us through our names. And then the next thing that we kind of discovered was that it's not about religion and religious systems. It's about relationship and then finally we we came to the 180 retreat where our hearts were turned towards the father in sonship we discovered inheritance and we learned about the power that comes through forgiveness and tonight is going to be one of those pivotal moments where it solidifies all of it And so I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects tonight, exactly how amazing I am and how amazing you are. And I know, I know, I know, I probably sound like a really bad self-help book, but the thing is is that self-help is super popular these days. You can't go anywhere without like seeing like five steps to a better you, like or like you know or hearing some speaker being like I'm going to unlock the hidden power within, like you know like we have all of these like uh, strength finder tests and you know these these five steps to being more courageous in the workplace or whatever because it's all about becoming a better you, but because the thing is is that you know you have to know who you are in order to go and change other people, right? I was a graduate student here at Yonsei, and our trademark slogan for... okay, Our trademark slogan for uh, the GSIS was transform yourself to transform the world. And so, you know, for those of you who have been in familias, you'll know that we've been studying the patriarchs. We've been studying Abraham. We've been studying Joseph. We've been studying all these people so that you can know who you are. But who knows that that's not the final step. And so if you'll all turn with me to First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and then we'll get started. When you're there, please say Hallelujah. Only one person was able to find our scripture for tonight. All right, there we go. We got some passion now. All right. I'll be reading out of the ESV. All right. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the same name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your great love. For Lord, you, Lord you're Lord, you in this place. You're in this place ministering to us at this moment. And I just pray, oh Heavenly Father, that Lord, we will not leave this place unchanged, Lord. That your word would go deep into our hearts. That, Lord, if need be, your word would battle-ram the walls we put up in our hearts tonight, Lord, so that you can just break in, in power, and, Lord, we can just feel your presence tonight, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, uh, just for, that you would anoint my mouth, you would anoint my words, that my words would be your words, Lord, and I would speak from the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, this is a pretty powerful scripture here. And so, I'm going to be talking about uh, someone, that, one of my favorite Bible characters, Elijah. And now, Elijah and Elisha, their names are really similar. So, if I mix them up tonight, show me some grace. All right? And so, who knows the story of Elijah? No one. It's okay. So, Elijah was a prophet, uh, of God during the rule of the kings of, of Israel. And this is when the kingdom was already divided and the, un, it's the it's the time period of the unrighteous kings. And Elijah is chosen by God to be a prophet during the time of Ahab. Not like Ahab and the whale but King Ahab and Jezebel. And so Ahab was an unjust king, and he married an idolatrous woman. She worshipped the balls, the Baal gods, and it's B A A L. So, and so, God was enraged with the fact that Ahab had allowed this woman to bring idols into Israel because God is a jealous God and he will not be denied his love. And so he was, he was so furious that he said, you know what, Elijah, I want you to go and to challenge 400 prophets of Baal or Baal, or whatever you want to say it. So, uh, on Mount Carmel, Elijah challenged 400 prophets of Baal by himself. And what they did is they set up an altar, and he, Elijah said, You know what? If you and your god or gods are so cool, then rain down fire from heaven and ignite the sacrifice that we have on the altar. And Elijah prayed... He said, God, I reject any kind of uh, sign that any false god can uh, produce. And these 400 prophets, they cut themselves, they lashed themselves. They were trying to invoke the power of their god, and nothing happened. And then Elijah said, you know what, I've had enough of this. God, I pray that you will ignite this sacrifice and they would know that you are God. And what happened was God ignited the sacrifice. Then Elijah ordered the prophets of Baal to be killed. All of them. And then Ahab was said, Oh, I think I need to return to the Lord. But... Jezebel did not like this. And so what she did is she said, you know what? Send word to Elijah that by the end of this day, I will make him as the prophets of Baal. And see, for her, she could have just gone and killed him. She was the queen. She could have had some like ninja like sneak up and like stab him in the night or something. You know? But she didn't do that. Her goal... Was not to kill him outright. Her goal was fear first. She wanted him to fear. The death that he she was going to make him endure. And so. In 1 Kings. 19.3. It says. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose. And ran for his life. And came to Beersheba. Which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. And so. How many of us have ran away before? Like, you could have have literally, like, ran out of the house. No, I'm not going to talk to you, Mom. Oh, and then, like, slammed the door in her face. Or you could have ran away from situations. But how many of you have ran away before? I'll raise two hands if I can. So, I mean, we all know what it's like to run away from something. And so it's in that moment that we are that fear has come in, and we have then decided to run. But see, God has an action plan. And so when, when even though we run away, God still has something in for us, because when Elijah ran to Beersheba, God sent an angel to him to go minister to him. And the angel came and he provided him food. He said, take and eat, for the journey will be long. And then he came again, take and eat, for the journey will be long. And then God sent Elijah on a journey. to, Not to just anywhere. He wasn't like, go wander around the desert. No, he said, go take and eat, for I will send you to Mount Horeb. Now, does anyone know when the first time Mount Horeb is mentioned in Scripture. Mount Horeb, the first time Mount Horeb is mentioned in Scripture, is a pivotal event in the transformation of one of the key founders of our faith. Everyone turn to Exodus 3, one. Exodus 3 1 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Mount Horeb is the place where God encountered Moses in the burning bush. And so as Elijah was afraid and running for his life and God was seeking to minister to him, God said, I will come, follow me to Horeb and I will minister to you there. For I have transformed more than one person there before, a person who could deliver an entire nation. And you know what? I have a great purpose for you, Elijah. Come to Horeb and I will minister to you and I will send you back a changed person. And so... What happened is God sent Elijah there and God ministered to him, just like God ministered to Moses. And when Moses was sent out from the mountain, he was able to stand in the place of Pharaoh, just like what God was about to do with Elijah. And so, for us, you know, we, we have seasons or situations that we run away from. We run away from people, we run away from confrontation. And usually in that time, we sometimes even run away from God. But, even though we walk through the desert, God is leading us to a place where he is going to encounter us. And it is in that place that we will be transformed, that he is going to put a revelation in our heart that we cannot live without. Because, has anyone else grasped something that Elijah witnessed God do a mighty miracle? God, He witnessed God, he ordered people to slay the 400 prophets of Baal. Yet he ran from a woman who put fear in him. So the thing is, is he knew who God was. He knew what could, God could do. He knew what God said about him. He he knew that God said he was a prophet. But he did not have it solidified in his heart. And that's why fear was able to penetrate. He was He was able to be shaken from who he was because he was not solidified yet. And so God sent him on the journey to make him solidified. That way he could go back to Israel to call forth a nation. And so as you can maybe kind of see from the sermon slide, (laughs) the bulk of my message is going to be about confronting the old self. And so what happened is Elijah was afraid. He ran, he was transformed, and then he had to come back to Israel. So in 1 Kings 21, we see that Ahab and Jezebel, while Elijah is away, decide to do more wicked things. Ahab wanted this vineyard. And he went to the owner of the vineyard and he said, give me the vineyard, I will pay you for it. And the owner of the vineyard said, I will not. The Lord spoke to me and said, I am not to give it to you. Then, what did Ahab do? He ran home, sobbing and crying and throwing a hissy fit. Like, can you ever imagine a king throwing a hissy fit? Like, (laughs) but then he's throwing a hissy fit. I want it! And then Jezebel hears him, comes in and says, what is it, my husband? What is it, my king? What do you want that you, you cannot have? You are king. You own everything. He's like the vineyard of Jehoshaphat. No, it wasn't Jehoshaphat. But it was some weird name that started with an N that I cannot pronounce. And he, so then he laid in bed. And Jezebel went to work. She got her crafty ways going. And she sent letters in the name of Ahab. And she had the owner of the vineyard killed. And then she came to him and she said, It is yours, my king. Look at what God has given you. Like man, I kind of just want to punch her in the face right now. (laughs) I mean, what a deceitful woman to be able to do something like that, you know? But then what happens is then, you know, Ahab's all happy now, and he's walking through the vineyard, and God says to Elijah, go back, for I have a word of condemnation for Ahab. And so what happens now is then Elijah is forced to go back, he is sent back by God to the situation, the place that has not changed. The woman that he fled from is even more manipulative and conniving and deceitful and evil than she was when he left. The king that he had, th- he had almost brought to repentance has now fallen even further. And so, if anything, the situation has gotten so much worse. And how, how is it like that in our lives? How often do we run from situations? How often do we avoid calling our parents because, you know what, we don't want to talk to them because all they're filled with is this bad news or this or that or, oh, why can't you get good grades? Why, aren't you ha- why don't you have straight A's? Why aren't you married yet? Like, you know, things like that. <laughs> but you know we avoid these things because we perceive it as getting worse when God is saying no go for i have a word for them and so what happens is then elijah journeys back to israel and he meets with ahab and so if everyone will turn with me to uh first kings 21 <clears throat> and then in verse 20 it says Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And so, while we can be changed and then go back to a situation or a place that is unchanged, sometimes we will be perceived as the enemy. We will be perceived by the enemy in our families where they say, Who are you to bring these condemning words of... You know, where, oh, you need to get rid of this sin, and you need to change this, and you need to stop saying that. Where, you know, we go back and we are perceived to be the enemy by our friends when we say, oh, I can't go to the bar anymore. Or, you know what, that's, you know what, watching that, that's not good for me. You know what, I'm I, I'm not going to hang out. We are perceived to be the enemy, but in reality, we are not the enemy. We are the ones to bring transformation the transformation that we've experienced we were called to do that and so when Elijah came and he spoke to Ahab in the vineyard Ahab realized what happened by the words that Elijah gave Ahab found repentance because then it, it continues on in chapter 21 where then Ahab went into mourning he put on sackcloth and he fasted and so what God did is he said you know what the judgment i had for you will not come to you it'll come to your son i don't know if that's any better but i mean at least you know God could see that Ahab was had a heart of repentance and so now we come back to the scripture for today, 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, nor will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now what Paul is saying is that these things, yeah, you might have done some of these things, but that's not who you are anymore. And he's saying that you were bought at a price. That God changed you. And now whatever it is that was influencing your life, you are called to go and change that. And so, <clears throat> you know, some of you are, are getting ready to go home in a few weeks. You know, some of you are getting ready to go to missions. And some of you, you have the, you know, pl- privilege of sticking around all summer. <laughs> but that does not mean that this word isn't for you, that you are not called to be someone who does not run away and go into the wilderness, but you are to be someone who stares in the face of the old self, of the old situations, of all of the old things that you used to do before God transformed you and set you on fire. All of those old things, you are called to speak to it and say, you are changed as well. And so, for us, we think that, you know, when we go back, we're going to endure something hard. That just as Jezebel put fear in us before, she's going to come back and she's going to make it worse. But see, that's a lie of the enemy. And what, in fact, you know, there's two characters in this story that, you know, Elijah's kind of running away from. The first is Ahab. The king, and so what he kind of represents is the the person in our lives who you know we want to minister to. The person that we're running away from, but the person we want to minister to the most. For some of us, it's our it's our parents. For some of us, it's it's a best friend or a uh, you know uh, you know childhood friend or something like that. But and then we fear that that person is going to. Perceive us as an enemy. But then the other person in the story is Jezebel. And Jezebel represents a person who, if anything, is maybe right next to us and sees the fire of God fall and sees what God can do and sees and knows who God is but wants to worship the idol of their mind and think that they know better. See, Jezebel, she knew what God did on Mount Carmel, and she knew that all of her prophets failed to to call down the fire. She knew all of her prophets were killed. She knew it was Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of Israel who did it. But she didn't want to believe it she wanted to believe in the power of her own gods, the gods that she and her people created. And so she wanted to hold on to this. And so sometimes in our lives that we go and we get set on fire for God. And then we go and we tell someone who's even sitting right next to us. And we say, wasn't that amazing? God touched my life. And then they're like, were we at the same prayer meeting because it was the driest prayer meeting I ever went to? Or that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. People flopping around on the floor like a fish. People like spitting out words that they don't even understand. Like, what is this? Like, that's not of God because they want to worship God. The, their own intelligence. They don't want to open themselves up to the supernatural God that we all know and love and serve. The God that we call Father, well, if you don't believe in the supernatural of God, then, you know, I think we're going to have to throw out most of the Bible. And so, I mean, even this pr- passage on Elijah, I mean, like, fire coming down from heaven, that doesn't happen every day. So, so like, are we are... a Our change is opposed. But that does not mean that the change never happened. And so the first thing that we're going to start to doubt is the fact that change ever happened. And so as we sang in our lyrics today, you know, I am forever changed. Oh, happy day. I am forever changed. Because who knows that when God changes you, it's done. Because, you know, there is no going back. Yeah, you may think and you may develop and you may try to go back to old habits. But that does not mean that God has changed you at all. Because the fact is, is God changed you. You're just not perceiving that God changed you. And so it's getting rid of the former things because a new thing has come. And so, you know, one of my disciples, uh, you know, this was was really true in his life. And so, he feared going home from university because he lived in a different state. He feared returning home because it meant facing the old self. It meant that he would have to go and face parents and situations and, you know, Uh, sexual partners that he did not want to face. He said, you know what? I I don't want to do that. I want to stay here. And you know what? I, you know, I counseled him and, you know, he, he did stay for a time. But at the same time, when it came time, he could not hold out any longer. He had to go back to, to his hometown. And I said to him, I said, you have not, God has changed you. And it is a lie that God is going to bring you back. Or anything can come and take away what God did. And, you know, when he went back, you know, he, what, he faced enormous temptation. He had to delete those phone numbers from his phone. He had to submit hardly to parents that he had grown To just hate throughout his life. And through forgiveness he forgave them. And then then came the test. Did you really forgive them? But and such were some of you. I gave him that word. And such were some of you. Because that was his baptism verse. And and such were some of you. Because God said that's not you anymore. I made you new. And now you're going home because I want you to tell them that I made you new. And so our our stories might not be that drastic. We, we might come from a Christian family or, you know, something else. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily a Christian family, but a, a really good family where, you know, our parents, you know, did very well and, you know, these and uh, other things. But that doesn't mean that we still won't face trouble when we go home. See, I know that story personally. Because I have had to stare at the face of my old self so much when I call home. When I go home to Chicago because my family sees me as that old person. They don't see the new person that I am. But the thing is, is I don't let them make me that old person because they do not define me. God is the one who solidified my transformation in heaven, and I'm not letting them take that away. And so what happens is, you know, uh, you know, through a series of emails and Skype conversations, you know, I was accused of, you know, being a, you know, witchcraft practitioner, you know, (laughs) and, and then, you know, sure enough, I, I, you know, I, I I ran from that situation. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk to my family. If they think I'm in a cult, you know, whatever, (laughs) like, you know, I'm just going to be doing my thing in Korea. I'm going to go on missions whenever I can. I'm, you know, just going to do my thing with or without them. It doesn't matter. But in reality, I was telling myself, it's okay for me to run away. It's okay for me to run away from them. It's okay for me to not confront them. But sure enough, in uh, two months later, less than two months later, through some unfortunate circumstances, I had to fly home. And it was when I flew home that I remember the day before I flew home, I was talking with Pastor Aaron and I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I don't want to go home. (laughs) I have to see my my parents and my sister. and like, oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible. And she affirmed me. She said, no, you are not going home. You're being sent home. God has chosen this time to send you home because there is a purpose in your visit. And so I went home rather reluctantly, nonetheless, (laughs) even with that great word, I still went home really reluctant. And so, I went home, and, I was like, I was on the plane, because I had to fly to China, and then I had to fly to D.C., and then I had to fly all the way back to Chicago. It was kind of crazy and awesome at the same time, but, um, not with screaming Chinese babies, but, um, but then, When I, on the plane, I was saying, God, what do I do? What do I do? Because you know what, God, I'm not going to handle the situation like I used to handle it. I'm not going to go in and be, you know, very defensive and be very argumentative. And, you know, I'm not going to go in and try and justify everything that God, did, that you've done in my life. I'm not going to do that because that is going to get me nowhere, A uh, uh, fight of words is going to get me nowhere so what do i do and he, you know and god you know even though i was you know like 14,000 feet in the, in the air like god decided to be silent that day and so <laughs> i had to wait i had to wait until i got to chicago and god said wait for the opportune moment you know And, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, like, I'm waiting for, like, some, like, sort of bullseye to come past. And, like, you know, I'm like, okay, now's the time to go. Like, you know, like, God to show up in, like, a cloud of smoke and be like, now is the opportune moment. You know, like, I was waiting for something kind of crazy. Because I wanted to know that I was, I wanted strength in me. Because the fear had come to push me away. But... My opportune moment came when I was stuck in the car, on a two-hour drive with my brother. And about thirty minutes in, I was like, I was praying. I was like, God, you know, like, is is this kind of the moment? Because if it is, like, you know, like, what point during these two hours would be the opportune moment? Like, you know, like, <laughs> and so. God didn't really say anything at the moment. So I was like, okay, it must be now. So, um, you know that email that Susan sent me? Like, you know, like, and, I, you know, I just went at it. And, you know, I didn't make it an issue of the fact that, you know, they thought I was crazy and they thought I was naive and they thought I was in a cult and they, you know, all these things. I did not make it anything about religion, anything about doctrine, anything about anything I had previously said. I made it a heart issue. I called them out on their lack of support for me. I said, you know what? It's not an issue of the fact that, you know, you say these things. It's an, it's an issue that, you know, I know you're worried about me, but you don't say you love me as much as you used to. Yes, I live 7,000 miles away, but, you know, an email now and then saying, you know what? You're doing your masters in another country. You know, you're studying a culture and a language that, you know, most people in our, you know, hometown would never understand. Like you're doing things around the world for a cause that is greater than yourself. None of these things. It's not about the fact that you don't believe in the same beliefs. It's about the fact that you don't believe in me. And whoo, there was a silence that came along. (laughs) But in the end, what happened is that I realized that I had a boldness to tackle the issue. And not only that, but I had a boldness to say that person that you think I am, I am not that person. And I will show you through how I act that I will not act like that person because I am not that person anymore. For the, I have taken off my old self and put on the new self that is with Christ. And I live with him. And he lives in me. And I will show you that. More than anything, I don't care what, you, like, what this one-week trip is going to produce if only you see that I am in Christ. I don't care if you come to Christ now, because he's going to get you. But I don't care if you come to Christ now because I am changed. And you have to perceive that. Because I already perceived it. And so, some of you may be experiencing something like that in your families. Or in your friends. And if you're not experiencing it now, you know what? You might be experiencing it when you go home in a few weeks. Or in a few months. But the thing is, is Emmaus, I exhort you to not let your old self define who you are when you go back into situations where all they know is the old self stare boldly into the situation and say i am changed i am not that person be like elijah and say and give the word that brings repentance give the word that brings transformation because after god ministered to him just like he ministered to moses there was a boldness that was within them. Because if if we have learned anything this semester, it's that we are sons. And no one, I repeat, no one can take that away from you. That even if someone came along tomorrow and took away my visa, my bank account, and whatever, and I was deported back to the United States, I would still be a son of God. No one can take that away from me. And if I go home, and you know, someone there kicks me out of my house, and whatnot, I'm still a son of God. You can't take that away from me. Because they cannot take away what is not theirs to take away. Because what I am is in heaven, and they can never reach that. And so, That is my exhortation to you tonight. That as you go home, you would not neglect giving the gift that you are. The gift of transformation that God gave you. I, I exhort you to hand that out. Because if you knew who God wanted you to be, you would want to be nothing else. And so... I exhort you that as you go home, changed, empowered, and filled with fire from on high. That you would hand that out as you start to walk out and be the person that God wants you to be day by day by day. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you that, Lord, over the course of this semester, Lord, 180 was not an event, but it's a journey. It is a journey that you put us on that very first large group when we gathered here. And, Lord, we said that we were committed to change, although we did not know it. You came in power in so many different ways through, Lord, our large groups and our familias. And through, Lord, our church services and through our friends. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would solidify that change in our hearts. That, Lord, we would not let that change go to waste. That we would not, Lord think that that change was confined to Korea, Lord, to Yonsei and to Emmaus but Lord, that we would take that as a torch that was handed off to us and we are running a race and we are waiting to go home and pass that torch on to someone else and so Lord give us the torch give us the torch that we may run And, Lord, we may run further, O Heavenly Father, Lord, for you. And, Lord, as you send us back, Lord, it is not, Lord, our choice, but it is your choice that we would go back to these situations, to these people, to these places. As you send us back, I pray that, Lord, there would be boldness that rises up within us. That, Lord, as you, Lord, ministered to moses as you minister to elijah in that lord secret place on mount Horeb, i pray that you i pray that you would minister to us here in the secret place of korea and you would minister to us and lord let that boldness lord be built that way when we go home and our change our transformation our revival fire Is when it is challenged by Lord the voice of the people, Lord, that bring condemnation, the voice of the people that think we're now their enemy, that Lord, we would respond in love. We would respond in bold love, Lord. And Lord, when our voice, Lord, when the transformation is challenged, Lord, by a voice that does, Lord, that thinks that they know you, but Lord, I pray, O Heavenly Father, that Lord, your love that you put within us, Lord, would break, Lord, just the mindsets to think, Lord, that they could know everything about you. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, thanking you that, Lord, Lord, as we have walked this journey on the Emmaus Road, you have ignited the scriptures within us. And, Lord, you are sending us back to the Jerusalems. So that, Lord, we can bring an impact for the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.